0: Part three. Oh, that's okay. Uh, part three. Do I need to start over because I didn't? It's really important that we get the. Okay, great. Well, if anyone that wants to watch this, they won't know that. Um, part three is an observation, and then uh, part four is an invitation. Uh, so let's begin with uh, spiritual practice. We do a thing called dwelling in the word. It's similar to uh, lectio divina. It's a practice that was Introduced to me when I was working for a church in Portland through a thing called Partnership for Missional Church. And Dwelling the Word is a communal spiritual reading of the text. And I'm going to read the Luke 19 text again. And what I want to invite you to do as the text is read, you can um, I'll have you go back to it if you can um, on the uh, so it can be displayed. If if you're visual and you need to watch it and read it, do that. Uh, If it works better for you just to listen to it, I want to invite you to close your eyes as it's read. But as it's read, I want to invite you to get stuck um, at whatever point uh, sticks out to you. Maybe it's a phrase or a word or an exchange or an image that crops up. Um, We're as good uh, enlightened folk. uh, We want to stick with it. I want to invite you not to stick with it. Uh, the, the rest of the reading, ignore what happens after that, and just sit with that image uh, or that word or that phrase. And then after a little bit of silence, after the text is read, I'm going to invite you to uh, turn to a neighbor and share with them what stuck out to you, um, what captured your attention, what struck your imagination. And then the other person gets to share. And then we'll come back together. And we'll have an opportunity for you to report what you heard from the person that shared with you, okay? So there's multiple layers of listening here. You're listening to the text. Uh, then you're going to listen to your partner. Uh, and and it assumes that you're listening because you, you might want to report back what they said. And if you weren't listening, you won't be able to report, and then everyone will know you're a bad listener. Uh, so try to listen well. And then we're listening together as a community. Does this make sense? Okay. Uh, we will after it's read, I'll invite the online folks. Can you break them, put them into a breakout room, um, so they could share with one another? Okay. So let's begin with just a moment of silence, and then I will read uh, the Luke nineteen text. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage in Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shot out. Another brief moment of silence. Okay, I want to invite you to turn to a neighbor and share with them what struck your imagination in the reading of the text. Send uh, online folks to a, a chat room. Are you able to get them into a room? To give you another minute or two. If the other person hasn't had a chance to share yet, be sure you're reversing. You tell them to give them another minute or two.
1: Yes,
0: Ryan, go ahead and initiate bringing them back. We're still, we're still in part one. We're part part one B right now. Part one B. We're just waiting for our friends to come back. Okay, so uh, let's share with one another a couple things. You're not obligated to share, like communion, all are welcome, none are required. Uh, but you're sharing what you heard from your partner. Uh, another thing I want you to keep in mind, if your partner shares, you are not obligated to share. Some people feel the pressure that they have to share, don't have to. Uh, and then, uh, Ryan, will would be looking for people who raise their hands on online to share? Who wants to share what they heard from their uh, partner? Jen?
2: All right, so Ted said, this just seems an interesting method for Jesus to enter a city. He often seems to want to stay under the radar. And this time, he's like, Alright, right, before we go into town, go get a colt. And then, like, all the people with me are going to, like, make a big deal and, like, you know, like, celebrate me. It's just – it's just a little bit yeah. different
0: yeah. than normal. Some ancient manuscripts actually have Jesus saying, celebrate me. Yeah. I'm kidding. It's not true.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing.
1: I
3: think I you. Yeah.
0: i, I, yeah. I, I will <laughs> You don't, have to. don't, don't have to tell on me. So, Daryl was <clears> – <throat> More or less starting in the same place, Ted, of uh, kind of like conceptualizing yeah, this is weird for Jesus to do, but then I kind of got lost. But like, why is Luke telling this specific version and like highlighting these details? Like, there's something that's not maybe quite there. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I got it.
1: Yeah.
0: Can I get you. That's great. Anyone else want to share what they heard?
1: Okay.
4: This is interesting. I got to hear from both Jen and Megan, and they said very similar things. Um, This whole idea that they're just going to walk into town and take take a colt.
0: Steal. We're just going to steal it.
4: You know, it's never been ridden. It's like a child. (laughs) And... And 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 when people are like, hey, that's mine, don't take it. You just say, no, this is the
0: Lord's. <laughs> and the Lord told me to do it, which is kind of like how a, what how a parent says, why are you taking this? Because I said so. Right. I'm right. taking it. Yeah. And that they're just supposed to be okay with that. Yeah. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Megan, Jen. Anyone else? Last call. That concludes part one. Part two, uh, confession. When the uh, when the Lent Easter uh, sermon series uh, came out, I was pretty excited to preach this text. Got in there, put my name next to it. Because it's always been one of my favorite texts to preach. As a, a preacher in a previous life, uh, I loved Lent. I loved... Uh, Palm Sunday, which is today. Uh, I, I love this text, but I realized in preparing for this that um, I never actually liked this text. <laughs> I, I've been living a lie for a really long time. It, it's a triumphant text. I mean, it's called The Triumphant Entry, uh, but it's always been hard for me, I realized, to feel very triumphant because I know it's on the horizon. It's, it's a day of, of celebration in the midst of a season of fasting and repentance. It's this celebration uh, that we know is going to lead uh, to Jesus being deserted by all the people who are closest to him. Um, even the people who stole a donkey on his behalf are going to leave him. Uh, and no it leads to his persecution and his death. And so for a number of years, I have to confess, I mustered up the positivity that I felt this passage demands. Children wave the palm fronds, uh, as we sang, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Uh, I, I said some great, I'm sure, life-changing words about the king entering the city. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, uh, I, it, it felt, uh, looking back, it feels contrived. And so I'm curious, how have you experienced or viewed this text, this passage, in your own spiritual development? Or, if you want to zoom out, um, what role has the Easter season played for you in your spiritual development along the way? Raise your hand and we'll pass around the, the green guy microphone. Yeah, how uh, how have you experienced or viewed this passage in your own uh, formation, faith, spiritual development, um, or what role has the Easter season played in your uh, spiritual formation and development,
1: if any?
2: Um, I think I, I grew, I didn't grow up with Lent. I didn't grow up with the sadness of Good Friday. I only grew up with a celebration. Um, and yeah, so. You know, interestingly enough, it kind of falls in line with my my sort of default personality, which is to find the the best in the situation, um, which is interesting. Um, and as I have grown um, as an individual. Um I just I see a lot more of the heartbreak in the story and hmm. the odd, weird stuff. Yeah. Um than I grew
1: up seeing. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, there. Well first of all I grew up Church of Christ so Eastern Lent had nothing. Right and had no it's you know, another Lord's Day. You know, just another day. Uh, except when they preached about the birth of Jesus on Easter, you know. Too. <laughs> yeah, right. That's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this year has been um, more powerful to me, uh, this, this series of Lent because of what's going on in Ukraine, very specifically. Right. Um, but I also think that over the years, while I can't point and say, oh wow, this is how it has developed me. I think it's like eating a meal every day, all of your life. It's hard to pinpoint, but it still did you good. It still developed you, even mm-hmm. though you can't necessarily say, oh wow, I had this amazing thing right. happen because of this. Um, it's like the Eucharist every week. It's just something that develops you whether you recognize it or not yeah that's great thanks Sarah.
3: anyone else john yes please um i'm grateful that storyline takes a pause to consider uh lint uh great many churches that i've been a part of over the decades i uh, did not And every Sunday was just another sermon series and they may, uh, tip their hat on, uh, the the three, they tip their hat on Christmas, Easter and Mother's Day. Otherwise they're just running through a sermon series. And I'm really grateful for this because of all the threads and themes and possibilities in the Bible and Christianity and what Christians can think about. It's easy to neglect, uh, the, the passion of Christ and all the layup to that. So I'm glad to. Periodically stop and pause and look at that. And just like communion, there's not one view or one takeaway. And and by growing and maturing, you see differently, feel differently, and the same passages uh, resonate differently. So um, yeah, it has been it's been it's been good. It's been good to think about Lent with storyline contrasted to others that thought that was just a stupid Catholic thing.
0: Okay, uh, recap part two, my confession, uh, I don't like this text. Uh, part three, an observation. If you were fortunate enough to hear, uh, to be here uh, last week, to hear Sarah's uh, message, sermon on the, the text that comes right before this, uh, you're fortunate because you're the only ones who got to hear it because the audio is terrible, uh, but... I wasn't here, and Sarah sent me her uh, the notes of her sermon, and it is uh, stunning. Uh, she took that parable and reframed where we put God uh, in that story. God is not, in fact, the noble person who has uh, an account of the ROI, return on investment, that he has in us as disciples, but instead, God is that third servant who refuses to participate uh, in a system that is uh, uh, that exploits others. that uh, God does not treat us like the noblemen in that parable. Uh, God is one who um, participates with creation in a different way. And I noticed something in the whole chapter of Luke 19 that I've never seen before, uh, that this morning's text, the triumphal entry, is bookended by parallel stories. So Luke 19 begins with the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man, in the tree. What's uh, Sorry, Daryl. Sorry.
3: <laughs>
0: you, you, you called that out on yourself. I wasn't going to say anything. Uh, so we have uh, Zacchaeus slash Daryl, the wee little man, <clears throat> who, come on, the sycamore tree, and that story is this really remarkable telling of someone who sees Jesus for who he is and then reorders his life around that encounter, around seeing Jesus, uh, gives away half of his money to the poor and anyone that he's defrauded, he pays back four times. So Luke 19 begins with this one who sees Jesus. And then you have the parable that Sarah preached uh, last week where we find God uh, being unwilling to participate in coercive, exploitive systems, okay? So someone sees Jesus, God's not going to exploit others. And then right in the middle, you have the triumphal entry text. And immediately after this, in fact, Jesus is already leaning into it um, by responding to the Pharisees who ask uh, Jesus to make his disciples be quiet. Jesus cries over Jerusalem. He cries over a city That hasn't seen him. A city that hasn't. Reordered their lives. Around this one. Who is king. Followed by. Jesus going into the temple. And turning over tables. Responding to a community. That had given in to exploitive practices. So you have Zacchaeus. Seeing Jesus. Jerusalem. Not seeing. God being unwilling participate in an exploitive system, and then you have a community of faith uh, participating in an exploitive system, right? Um, I've never noticed that before. And in the middle, you have this weird story of Jesus entering the city. And there's a part of me that wonders if this is uh, why I, I never really liked the text or tried to contrive something, not just because I know the death and resurrection, the death and resurrection is coming, but because in chapter nineteen alone, it's it's chaos. It's he moves straight from this triumphal entry to crying over Jerusalem, and then seeing a community of faith that has exploited. And maybe Daryl, this is also part of the reason I, I've struggled this week of knowing what's happening in the Ukraine. Like, how, how do we sing Hosanna, Hosanna in the midst of that? Right. You know, if you watched any of the. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, justice nomination and trial, the uh the blatant racism of a number of the questions that came across for the new justice. How how do we do this? Uh when it feels like exploitive, uh destructive, violent uh systems and experiences are all around us. So Continuing uh, a little bit of a depressing conversation. Um, How have, uh, how have you experienced or seen uh, the church be complicit in exploiting others? Uh, How have you seen it? How have you experienced it? Um, Right? Exploitation happens in big ways and it happens sometimes on the small, uh, micro, individual but what are some ways you have seen the church itself participate in um, exploiting others okay yeah TV church yeah making money uh, and, and uh, profiting off of the most vulnerable Yeah, yeah.
4: Since you mentioned Ukraine, um, just the way the Russian Orthodox Church is aligned with the Russian state um, and is uh, baptizing atrocity in the name of God and the Ukrainian people are being exploited. And the the church is aligning with power um, to say that Russia is doing God's work Mm. to do what it's doing in Ukraine. Like that's one case among a bajillion, you know, that we could point to in complicity. Can you pass the microphone over? Thanks.
1: And to bring that to home... In the United States, it's not much different than aligning our Christianity with the powers right. or the principalities that exist here mm-hmm. in the U.S. Yep. And then running over people and suggesting they are not somehow aligned with Jesus if they disagree with that. Yeah. And so it's very manipulative. And I would throw that to, and not to criticize necessarily mega churches, but... To throw that in with that trend that goes with a lot of the uh, the churches that are just wrapping themselves up in a flag, whatever nation that yeah. flag is, yeah. wrapping themselves up in that. Mm.
3: Thanks, so. so when you so asked Robert? yeah, when you asked, uh what the churches exploited people, my first thought was, uh, "Luther's ninety-five theses." He was upset because of selling indulgences, right? So, so that, that it was like a, you, get, you get, get, go to heaven if you pay, uh, if you pay. And so indulgences was, was a travesty. And then after that was the Inquisition to where they, uh, burned people to stake for, for owning a Bible. You know, uh, there is a times that the Native Americans were forced to give up their culture and go and go to Christian churches to become civilized savages. There's a time in missions when uh, the very proper English missionaries went to Hawaii and other uh, islands like that and saw the natives and without any uh, coverings and said, you know, this is horrible. You must wear woolens, you know, in Hawaii, right? Uh uh, uh, and uh yeah it's so those things jump to my mind.
0: That's uh, uncomfortable for me to say. Um, the truth is uh, is that we are all Zacchaeus. I, I think there's some way, some part of us that sees Jesus and has uh, longed to reorder our lives. Uh, but the truth is also that we're in Jerusalem and people profiting around tables. Uh, that sometimes in very small, ordinary, mundane ways, uh, we have... Um, hurt others by our practices. Um, We have hurt others by not stepping in when we should have. We are Zacchaeus. We are Jerusalem. Our lives are a mix of faithfulness and faithlessness. And this is the good news and why I've turned the corner on this text. I've come back to liking it. Because there, smack dab in the middle Of all of that mess, of our faithfulness and our faithlessness, ways we were seeking not to exploit and ways we are continuing to be complicit, in the middle of all of that is a God who is present. A God who shows up and says, even in the midst of all of this mess, I am here. And that, to me, my friends, is good news. Which leads us to part four an invitation. Uh, I have a friend who uh, leads a small church uh, at Church of the Savior in Washington, D.C. Church of the Savior is a a collection of small church expressions. Uh, They were Tampa Tampa Underground before Tampa Underground was Tampa Underground. Uh, They've been around for 60, 70 years. They have Remarkable uh, ministries in the Adams Morgan neighborhood of of D.C. They have uh, one of them is a coffee shop that gives free coffee and soup to anyone who finds themselves without a home. Uh, They have a microloan business uh, where they provide loans for people to start up their own businesses, uh, housekeeping, power washing. They have a number of apartment complexes that are low-income housing. In an, in an area that doesn't really have low-income housing. Uh, there is a, a, a hospice house for people dying of AIDS. Uh, I mean, it's, it's really, really remarkable. And I was fortunate to spend a week there a couple of years ago. Uh, and my friend Rebecca, uh, she uh, pastors a small church called the Church of Christ right now. Zero Church of Christ roots. Uh and I know that because she put the right now, and we don't add to Lord's Church name. Um, but they have uh, they have this process of when you become a member of the church. It's a year long process, and at the end you are ordained, and you are ordained as a donkey. Now this is this is from their their website, and I've heard Rebecca talk about this. As members, we believe each of us is, quote, ordained as a donkey, end quote. We chose this image because a donkey is faithful, hardworking, and persistent. A donkey is lowly, humble, and a servant of the poor. Mary rode a donkey into Bethlehem to give birth to our Savior. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey to confront the socio-religious corruption of his day. As donkeys, we commit to continue a lifetime of deepening transformation to oneness with Christ in communion with each other in service to the world. Uh, They are ordained as donkeys. And I think the good news of this text is not just that God shows up in the midst of all the complexity of life. It's not just limited to a God who is present even in the midst of our complicity. The good news of this text also includes the fact that we get to participate in bringing Jesus into the city by being donkeys, by doing small, ordinary, plodding acts of goodness, small, ordinary acts of love and kindness, that in in them, by them, uh, Jesus comes near. Uh, to a world that is so fragmented. Uh, Jesus comes near to um, a world that is uh, victims and participants in exploitation. So um, my last question for us is, uh, what are ways you can be a better donkey? I've resisted saying ass, which I want credit for. I was going to say it, but I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, what are, what, uh, I, I'm curious, what are ways you could be a better donkey? What are small, ordinary, plodding practices or acts of service that bring Christ to the city, to your neighborhood? Sorry, Jen. First one. you tried so hard three in a row. Is that on? Here. Is it now? Yeah, it's on
2: now. I didn't mean to go first again. Dang
0: it. It's
2: an accident. When I think, I think. Um, uh, just mundane things like sharing a saw or... Mm-hmm with your neighbor or, you know, sharing a, a truck with your neighbor or, hmm. yeah, you know, like just yeah. Just the insignificant stuff, you know, like you, you need a, a key for the water thing in your front yard. Like, I got you. Yeah.
0: Uh,
2: you know, just insignificant stuff.
0: Yeah. Or really simple, ordinary practices uh, that are practices of presence.
3: Um,
4: the thing that struck me about the story was the, uh, the cult that had never been ridden, just that it had never been ridden. Uh, like I'm just, and I just picture like a wobbly legged cult that like doesn't even know how to be ridden. (laughs) <laughs> like how we, what, how do we do this? That that's that Jesus specifies. Like it needs to. What's going on there? But but at, uh, and surely this isn't the only read of it. But just that 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 kind of donkey, if you will, an inexperienced, incompetent, immature mm. donkey, could be used by Jesus, mm. is like such a relief mm. and good news to yeah, me. Yeah. Um. So like that, uh, as I was hearing Jen talk about just these small acts of service and um, acts of love, I just hear um, Elaine's contemplative stance, show up, pay attention, join in. It's like her spin on Mary Oliver. even Like show up, pay attention, join in. Like the, the small stuff will show itself to us mm. if we'll just show up to ourselves, to our neighbors, to God, and pay attention and then join in when we see openings.
3: Yeah. That's
4: great. Thanks, Charles. Yeah.
2: Stephanie? Um, I liked the definition of a donkey as being, you know, persistent and loyal. When I think of a donkey, I think of the stubborn jackass <laughs> right? yeah. um, and I've identified with that in life that I could be of better service
4: mm-hmm.
2: even when I don't want to be mm-hmm. um, being more persistent in life of staying on that path of service mm-hmm. rather than kind of digging my feet in and saying, no, I'm stubborn. I'm not going to do this. So I like yeah. the persistent donkey better than my conceptualization <laughs> of a donkey. Yeah,
3: that's great. Thank you.
1: Um,
5: I immediately thought I, I run our school, our elementary school's peace pantry, which just provides meals for um, like we have 60 kids. No, 63 now. 63 kids in our school that take home a big bag of food for the weekends. Um, but the thing about that is, is that I really don't like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I do not like being in charge of this thing um, and making sure these kids have food every week. Um, and so just kind of going back onto the unwilling, like um, donkeys can be very like unwilling to go yeah. where you want them to go. But this basically was just like, like a year ago, this was basically like, this is what you are going to do. And I was like, okay, not, I'm still not happy. I've been doing it for almost a year. Still not super happy about it. Probably going to do it another year. <laughs> um, but that even if I begrudgingly do something, yeah. um, it can still be.
1: Mm.
4: That's great. Thanks, Megan. Yeah, if anyone asks why you're doing this thing you don't want to do, just tell them the Lord asked. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Lord needs the it. The Lord
0: needs
3: it.
0: <clears throat> anyone else?
3: John. Yeah, um, the highlight of my month is at, at this apartment complex for seniors, we have a potluck. And I go there early to help set up, and I go around and make sure everybody has their beverages, tea, coffee, water, and I refill those. And I go back to the kitchen and make sure that the buffet is set up right, and I stick around and uh, clean up afterward. It gives me a way to interact with my neighbors and uh, be of service and not get tangled up in the gossip. I like it I really really like it I don't like gossip, but I like healthy
0: ever good, but sometimes it's fun <laughs> thanks thanks thank you john i, I uh it, it strikes me in this moment uh I don't know how the cosmic creation lord relationship works uh but it's, it's likely the donkey really had no idea what what he was bringing into the city. Uh, and that, I don't know, that uh, it, it feels like good news. That uh, happens uh, at times even when we're not aware of it. Um, even when we're unaware that the presence of Christ is coming with us as good news to other people. Uh. It doesn't stop the presence of Christ being there. And that, to me, is good news.